0: to the bloke and a bird show we are back and this is a week we've got a lot to talk about
1: well we built it up for two straight weeks
0: well we kind of needed it because the week before there was i think like two things that came out and they easily <clears> would have <throat> been lumped into our you got paid for this section uh, so but this week we've got a lot
1: you know winter testing started t- this weekend
0: it starts actually m- this week. Okay. The teams are showing up in Barcelona. Some of the cars are being revealed. Um, and actually, I we didn't look at it before the show. We may have to try and catch it later. Haas apparently also has revealed their car as well. Ooh. So we do not know what colors or anything their car looks. But we'll talk about all of that in a bit. First, I have some news. It is important news. Okay. This actually, it broke last week. And the truth is, all right, I'll admit it. It's important to us. It's probably important to a lot of our UK fans. Our American fans really aren't going to care. But this is important. Channel 4 has announced that
1: this... is the theme for the new f1 coverage
0: they are they have announced that they will be bringing the chain as part of the theme music for their coverage um now for those of you that do not know and you you've heard this on and off before because we, we brought it in to to various clips over the years um This section in particular, this is the closing part of the chain, which is known for that baseline, has been a fixture of UK TV coverage of Grand Prix racing since it was adopted by the BBC all the way back in 1978. Wow. It was dropped by ITV when it took over the rights to broadcast the sport in 97, but made a comeback when the BBC regained the rights in 2009. And Channel 4 Yes has announced it will retain the chain as its opening theme.
1: Excellent. That will make it feel like it's Formula 1. Yes. Yeah, that's big news. I told you. That's big. <laughs> it's big. I mean, if we can't maintain having Susie Perry or Eddie Jordan, we should at least get the chain.
0: Yes. So other news other news other things because there was a lot that ha- happened in the last week the first thing and th- again this was another story that the week that we were gone this broke okay um manor announced the first confirmed driver for their 2016 season Woo-hoo. that was lot the, the week that, that we were gone they announced that Pascal Wehrlein,
1: which is not a surprise to any of us, you?
0: not really um will be driving for the team, 21-year-old, who is a reserve driver for Mercedes in 2015. Um, his resume, um, he won the DTM German Touring Car Championship in 2015. And, of course, he has driven F1 cars in testing. So that'll be the start. We'll see, see how this works. Okay. Okay. So then there was the next question of, well, what is going to happen with the remaining seat? You know, we had heard a couple of names tossed around. Will Stevens threw his, his hat into the ring. His helmet? Yeah. I don't know if anybody really believed that Will had a fighting chance in it compared to how he got his butt handed to him by Alexander Rossi. But
1: And I know Rossi was really hoping for the seat.
0: Rossi was hoping to keep the seat. Um, and then we had heard that Indonesian driver, and this was right after the end of the season, that Indonesian driver Rio Harianto had some – Fairly significant financial backing. Which is to, always to a positive
1: in. when looking for a driver.
0: Which led to reports going around, which I saw this and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Especially after the Sauber incident. This is absolutely ridiculous. But reports going around that three drivers could share the second seat at Manor.
1: Well, I guess since none of those drivers would be competing for the title. You know, they wouldn't mind the fact that there's no chance in this world that they would get points.
0: Now, according to a report, this, this all came from Finland's Ilta Sanomat newspaper.
1: Which is obviously a high, intense reporting on F- Formula One uh, journalism outlet.
0: Hey, it, it sparked discussion. Okay. Especially with how ludicrous the story was. I think it's worth mentioning.
1: Are we sure it's not the onion of Finland?
0: I don't know for sure. Okay. But according to Ilta Sanomat, with F1 to stage a record 21 Grand Prix this year, you know that's going to be a talking point all damn season.
1: Well, yes.
0: Um, Harianto Rossi, and Stevens could each sign a seven-race deal with Manor. Now, the way this would work would that... Harianto would contest the first few races, then reappear for the Asian rounds later in 2016. Rossi would race mainly throughout North and South America, while the rest of the program, the European races, would be Stevens to drive.
1: Okay, but North and South America, is there only three races? Four. Um, I'm sorry, four races. And so where would the other three that Rossi would race be? Hey,
0: I didn't say they were good at math.
1: Okay. I mean, what are they going to give it him? It could be some of the Abu Middle East Bajan, races. Bajan, um, Bahrain, and Abu Dhabi?
0: I, I'm thinking Bahrain and Abu Dhabi might have been where they would have handed it to him.
1: Because... Because you've
0: got um, Malaysia, Singapore, and Japan, for starters, all happened back to back to back. hmm So...
1: And, of course, then uh, yeah, you'd have to throw the Australian Grand Prix into
0: i would probably go to harianto as well would have gone to harianto as well
1: so and the chinese singapore did you say singapore
0: yes it's singapore i forgot china though china would be the other one
1: yeah so that's like six right there that we're we're labeling off for him so i don't know where his seventh is going to be well maybe sochi
0: oh yeah probably
1: okay so there's seven for him. And Will Stevens would, of course, have Silverstone, Barcelona, Monaco, the Italian Grand Prix, Germany, Hungary.
0: Spa. Spa.
1: That's and seven right there.
0: Somebody's got to drive Baku.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I- so it looks like Rossi's got to do the most traveling. Mm-hmm. Because he'd have to pick up Baku. Um, Bahrain and Abu Dhabi to round out his seven if he was going to take Canada, U.S., Mexico, and Brazil.
0: If, if this would have actually gone down. Now, according to Ilta Sanimat, the deal would cost each driver about 5 million euros. That's cheap. Yeah, for, well, for seven races. And yeah, I'm but that's only so 15
1: million and, euros. Yeah. For the seat, I mean, that's a pretty inexpensive seat compared to what it is Maldonado's former contract was reported at 42 million euros. But
0: Maldonado's was, his is an outlier, truly.
1: Well, they had to cover damages. Yeah. See, he's gone, but not forgotten.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, this plan would have been allowed by the regulations because Article 26.1 of the Sporting Code, look it up, Um, says that during a season, each team will be permitted to use four drivers, and any new driver may score points in a championship. Oh, okay. However, we heard on Thursday, this past Thursday, that this stupid plan, despite all the time that we just spent talking (laughs) about it, this stupid plan... Totally laid it out for them, (laughs) planned it out for
1: them, and everything like that.
0: Will not be happening.
1: Oh, darn.
0: Ryu Harianto will be uh Manor's number two dri- well i don't know if i should say number two driver he will have the other seat at manor
1: so i'm betting that his backers came up with 20 million
0: euros um no we we know he's bringing about 10 million pounds from indonesia state oil company oh okay this, this was confirmed we saw the letter last year as you'll recall that said that he, they, they would back him for 10 million pounds if they gave him if he got a seat. so
1: they walked away from an extra five million pounds
0: I don't know if that deal is real. Okay. I mean, l- l- there's that. There's also the fact that really, how well is that seat going to perform when you're constantly flipping out drivers it's if you don't need to?
1: Well, there's that. I understand. So. Well, isn't he like one of the first Indonesian drivers?
0: I don't think he's the first.
1: Or one of the newest, like. It's been a really long time since we've had somebody from Indonesia.
0: That's probably it. I don't know if he's necessarily the first.
1: Well, I wish him the best of luck.
0: Well, we'll see what happens. You know, there is the potential that we could see Manor challenging for points. Truly a potential.
1: Well, especially if the flames on the side of the new McLaren don't make it faster.
0: We'll get there. (laughs) We'll get there.
1: (laughs) There's just so much to talk about. I want to talk about all of it right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, um, because last week was so quiet, or the previous week was so quiet, that we needed comments from people, and anybody who was willing to go and say something stupid in Formula One was allowed to have a microphone shoved in his face. Um, Fiat Chrysler president or Fiat Chrysler CEO Sergio Marchionne, who also runs the Ferrari team, after canning Luca de Manizemolo, um came out this year and said that Alfa Romeo must consider a return to Formula One.
1: Yes! Alfa so should be back in Formula One.
0: What he says, and this is an interesting thought, he says that if Alfa came back, it does not necessarily need to be a Ferrari junior team. He says Alpha has the technology, they have the capability and the expertise that they could co- return as a constructor, not just Ooh. as a team and name only.
1: Okay, but here's a question I have. Mm-hmm. We know from watching many, many hours of Top Gear Mm-hmm. that you cannot consider yourself a gearhead if you've never owned an Alpha, and experienced the true joy-hate relationship <laughs> of a car that cannot make it to the end of the street.
0: But so, yet is oozing with Italian passion. Yes, <laughs> but is oozing with Italian
1: passion. Um, and soul, definitely soul, yes.
0: soul. Soul, that was the other
1: one. Um, so here's my thought. Do we think that if Alpha were to return to Formula One, that they would be the king of the first lap retirements? I mean, would that be in keeping with the Alpha brand? I don't know about that. You you just took my question seriously, which is very sad. (laughs) I kind of did. No, I'm actually teasing. I mean, like I said, gearheads from Top Gear know that that is the status of always having to fix an Alpha. Um, But... I think that would be an interesting return. Actually, I'm really excited about the thought of an Alpha return to Formula One. All kidding aside. I think we need Alpha. I think we need Porsche. I think that we need other constructors competing.
0: I, I think it's a stretch for Porsche to enter. F- Porsche has never been in F1.
1: Right. That's why and, I think and we need it.
0: they've always fought against. It. Alpha has.
1: Right. Um Porsche has never been in F1 because of the spitting contest between Bernie and...
0: No, that that's recent. Prior to that, Ferdinand, Porsche, and the the general philosophy within Porsche was that they didn't want to come to F1 because open-wheel wasn't attractive to them. It didn't have an aesthetic tie-in to what they produce and what they sell. Ah, At least that's what I have heard because you can't look at a Formula One car and, and say that there's anything on there that would get plucked off and dropped into a, a road
1: car aesthetically yes but technology-wise technology-wise we, yeah. we already know that many things have that are on our own cars today originated in f1 in fact most days that i drive <coughs> my personal car i think of all of the f1 tie-ins that are in my car do you every day
0: Either you're an absolute liar or you're an absolute dork. I'm not sure which. <laughs> well, with our recent
1: bout of snow, are you not thanking <laughs> traction control?
0: D- I see, but I don't know I don't know the full history whether or not traction control came from Formula One or it was developed into road cars and brought into Formula One and then banned.
1: No. They it, there was clear articles that said we have traction control on our road cars thanks to Formula One. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, at the very least, you should you should thank Formula 1 for your traction control.
0: All righty. Well, that's cool. <laughs> <You> don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so, in our last show, we mentioned that part of the rules change that's coming for next year is that the engine token system is going away. Woo! Adrian Newey has come out. You know the 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 genius behind F one success or, or uh, Red, Red Bull's success, um, and his attention focusing elsewhere seems to coincide with some of their decline, not all of it. But Adrian Newey has come out and said that removing the engine restrictions will mean that competition will go away in Formula One.
1: That competition will go away. Yes,
0: he believes that all it will do is that it will lead to a spending frenzy and that the gaps will get bigger and not smaller. Hmm. In his words, and he t- this is what he told Reuters, his words, the notion that performance would equalize is quaint.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm. I,
0: I don't believe this. I, I, I think he's mistaken because of the fact that, The constructors and what they do with the engines and the tokens, it frees the constructors up to do more, to improve, to do all of those pieces. And all of those improvements translate down to their customers and their works teams. Mm -hmm. And every time a constructor goes and makes a major revamp to their engine, they don't then turn around and go, okay, if you want this new engine that we produced this week, that's an extra 15 million pounds. But if you want to stay with the old engine, you can have that still for 5 million pounds. They don't do that. They roll that across the entire line.
1: Well, I think that Newey's point is that if you look at the budgets of a Mercedes or a Ferrari, they could do some engine upgrades and tweaking probably at a faster rate than maybe a Renault or a McLaren. I don't think so.
0: I, I, I... I haven't seen any evidence to to support that the constructors any of the constructors are struggling in that manner. And that if they if they were told that the leash is off, go, that they wouldn't take off. Well, now, maybe it could be a matter of how the smaller teams deal with the, the power changes, but I can't imagine that they're that great.
1: It'll be interesting. I'm I'm not exactly sure I understand where Nui's coming from unless, and this is just my conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. Do you think Nui's statement might be a preparation for sort of heralding uh, Red Bull's non-return to dominance? You know, oh, well, the tokens have gone away, but still we're hanging in the back of the pack or the middle of the pack. I don't know. And keep in mind, Renault wasn't exactly great about using their tokens when they had them to use last year.
0: Renault holds a lot of the blame for what happened at, at uh, Red Bull last year. A lot of the blame. and there,
1: All the mouthiness is on Christian Horner. But...
0: Yeah. But, but there appeared to be a lot of indecision at Renault regarding what to improve and when to improve it and what they need to fix and what they could leave alone.
1: Mm-hmm. All right.
0: So, as mentioned this week, Formula One is closer to being back. Yes. Cars will be on the track. Actually, as of this past Friday, a 2016 Formula One car was on the track. woo Now, it was the 2016 Mercedes that did shakedown runs at Silverstone on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, The rules allow even – this wasn't considered testing. What the rules allow is teams get, I believe it's two sessions a year that can be used for filming purposes. They're limited to 100 miles on specifically designed tires for the event. Okay. So, some of the teams, Mercedes has done this before, McLaren has done it also. They'll take this early one. Yes, they're going to do it for some promotional filming, but also as a way to do a a full systems check on the car. Make sure that the telemetry is working the way they expect it to, the computer systems are working, things actually start and run, and things, you know, those general stuff that they don't want to waste time trying to futz around with on testing. Right. So, Mercedes has been out on the track already. Um, Nico Rosberg drove it around at Silverstone. Mm-hmm. It appeared to work. We didn't hear that it blew up, so that's always a good sign.
1: It's definitely a positive sign.
0: Um, we have also had some car launches and some livery launches.
1: Yes. So some of the teams have announced what their new cars are going to look like, because that makes them faster. <laughs>
0: Well, no, the only question about that has been Ferrari.
1: Okay, yes. Can we
0: talk about about this
1: for a minute? Please
0: jump into the board writers talking about Ferrari and their changes.
1: Okay, so for those who have lived under an F1 rock, Ferrari has come out with their new color scheme. Red and white! Oh, Oh my! Do you know the number of alerts i have gotten alerts not just articles written but alerts from formula1.com that say ferrari faster with their new red and white
0: okay delivery. Le- le- let's just be clear level set here this is the formula1 app whose alerts are really good for two things and two things only
1: spoiling races
0: yes spoiling races because you haven't had a chance to watch them yet and Passing you alerts that are absolutely and utterly, completely useless.
1: Well, that's true. They also sent an alert of, like, the past seven best livery launches. And when I tapped on it, thinking I was going to get seven of the launches that have happened this year. Oh, no, it's past stuff. They were talking about a 2004 Williams. Well,
0: that's because the launches and... and Last week or the week before, Autosport and even Sky did a story about how the big glitzy car launches are a thing of the past. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the one that everybody seems to, to latch onto when they want to talk about this is, and I don't remember the year it was, but this was Jordan. So good old Eddie <laughs> Jordan, who launched a car in Red Square in Moscow with the car doing donuts in Red Square you know spice girls played it i think a mclaren event obviously before christian horner met mm-hmm. jerry Hollowell. Um, <laughs> but th- these were big big deal events and of course wrapped with the press pictures of the guys sitting on the tires of the car yeah. but um,
1: <laughs> yeah now one of the teams exclusively launches their car online at least one of them does their launch well, s- online
0: several of them do it um but even those have been toned down because, well, they didn't work really well in 2012 and 2013 when we were started with this whole thing. Right. Um, Big fast.
1: Okay, so back to Ferrari. Okay. White, really?
0: Well, I you know, I don't have a problem with the white and red. And and the car, you know, at this time of the year with all these car launches, that's about all anybody can do is, well, okay, this is what we think of the paint because we don't know how the damn thing's going to perform or in some cases it's new paint on the old car because they don't want you to see the new car just yet. Um, Thank you, Red Bull. Yeah.
1: Oh, they're not the only one. Mm.
0: Uh, Renault was the same way. Okay. Um, but the real big thing, and their their last year's car was the S fifteen T. This year it is the S F sixteen H. I don't know why the H as opposed to the T last, but whatever, S F sixteen H. Uh, the big thing is Ferrari is changing their suspension. They are. Th- this is actually, it sounds dumb, at first glance, but it's actually fairly important. Um. Ferrari for years – and I have to pull up the story because – there it is. Ferrari – well, they've got a shorter and higher nose for whatever reasons. But Ferrari has used – where is it? They have used a pull rod suspension. They have been one of the few teams – to use a pull rod suspension they have done it for the last four years And I'm not going to get into the details of how it works Or any of that stuff Because honestly there are I'll webs- start snoring There's that There's also there's websites that can do it a whole lot better than I can Go ahead and look up the difference between pull rod and pull rod suspension The big thing to realize about the pull rod suspension And McLaren tried this in their 2013 car Which is part of the reason why it sucks so bad um, But the big difference the, the big thing to realize is that the pull rod suspension is much, much harder to have work properly and effectively than the push rod system. If you put a pull rod system in properly, and it works the way it's supposed to, and it's tuned properly, and everything is set the way it's supposed to, it gives you a couple of tenths of a second advantage. It, it's, it's actually extremely effective, but if you get it wrong, you get it very wrong. And it's very, very hard to get that bounce, which is why most teams avoid using it.
1: And, again, you McLaren. just mentioned to the McLaren chart it for one year. That was Lewis's last year at McLaren, and it was dis- dismal. No, it was the year Lewis left. It was the year he left? It I was, thought it was his last year. No, it was
0: 2013.
1: Year. Okay. But it was a dismal year. I mean, not that last year was a highlight year,
0: but yeah,
1: (laughs) McLaren's in a lull. Let's just leave it at that. McLaren is in a lull. (laughs) They're in a rebuilding period. So
0: some of the other things to look at this year, and we'll we'll work our way through the teams and, and, and the various stuff. You know, question number one is Mercedes says that they have not tapped all the all the potential performance from this power unit okay so are we looking at another big jump ahead in performance from Mercedes
1: well I would hope so but Mm -hmm. from our drivers apparently this past week one Mr. Ferrari driver Sebastian Vettel Mm-hmm. came out and said that mercedes continued dominance in f1 has lead, led to less excitement for the fans
0: and there's been a lot of talk about that and where you're about to go is valid and i and, and I'll, I'll let you go there in a sec but a lot of the response lately has been to to these comments about mercedes dominance uh, you know everyone goes well look at red bull red Bull did it for four years and and, and the big difference, though, is that Red Bull didn't end up with a season where all but one race, they had podiums. Mm-hmm. Mercedes has. They've and won. typically been a one-two for the vast majority of the races. And Red Bull never had that. And that, that's been the big counter to the, well, Sebastian had four years that he, that he crushed everybody.
1: Well, okay, so granted, Mercedes has won one thirty-two out of the past thirty-eight races. Mm-hmm. That means only six of them have they not won. Yes. In two years. A little over I mean, two
0: years. It's an impressive record.
1: Right. One they should be pretty proud of. But anyway, so while Sebastian is spitting at Mercedes and telling them that they are caught co- they are part of the cause of the boredom of F one, Lewis Hamilton, my dear sweet Lewis Hamilton has spit back at Sebastian and said, well, he's only bored the fans for two years, and Sebastian Vettel has bored the fans for four straight years. (laughs) You know, when he gets to the same level of boring the fans, then he'll start worrying about it.
0: (laughs) Well, maybe it would be one of those things that Lewis should get more concerned when he hops on the podium and he gets booed the way Sebastian got booed.
1: True. True.
0: I mean... That's at that point, and, and truly, the whole reason why Sebastian was getting booed was because of the dominance that they were showing. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's the sign that the fans are tired of the dominance. Until then, we're not there yet.
1: Right. But keep in mind, Rosberg got booed and he wasn't dominant.
0: Well, that, but that was different. <laughs> that was because he was very clumsy and stupid and got aggressive in the wrong way.
1: Yeah, he got aggressive against his own teammate. We don't like that.
0: Well, that and if you're going to get aggressive at your own teammate, at least don't knock them out when they're a favorite. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So. I mean, there are a few things that you could do that would make you a less fan favorite. Knocking out Kimmy would be one of them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, moving on. Moving on. Renault. Renault. The next thing to watch as we go through testing. Okay. Um... For start, Renault has made it very clear that the plant in England has been starved for resources by Lotus, and they are working diligently to rebuild. They also say that this year's car is very much a compromise because of the fact that, you know, normally when you're doing an engine change between manufacturers, you're planning for that, you know, April, May, June-ish of the previous season. Mm Mm-hmm there was none of that planning that work didn't happen until the fall so there, so are, there some, are
1: eight months behind development cycle
0: yeah There there's some fairly significant compromises that are being made in this in this car to get the engine in there on top of the fact that they were also dealing with a facility that has been starved of resources and talent for the last year
1: so, so how are they going to solve the talent problem
0: well, what they say is that their intention is they're, they're going to go to the tried and true Formula One method of trying to poach staff from other teams.
1: Excellent. Yeah, th-
0: that's how it works.
1: And you got to figure that's the best way to get talent. I mean, every every company in the world poaches the best of their competition.
0: And you. In- where they're going to be focusing, I'm, I'm pretty sure, is not going to be so much on the engine folks, but on the suspension and chassis folks. So that means that the folks who work at Honda, you guys are in the clear. don't yep. have to worry about it. Renault will not be coming to talk to you.
1: Yeah, but Adrian <laughs> Newey is probably getting a few meetings. I
0: don't think Adrian's going to move. I don't I f- think he I will, think... but
1: I think he's being, you know, hey, what what would it take? Yeah. What would it take? Yeah.
0: So there's that. Um sp- Along, the other team that is struggling with a late-season engine change is Toro Rosso. Oh, yeah. Now, what we do know with Toro Rosso is that they are getting the very last specification Ferrari engine from 2015. So it is it's the good. most up-to-date engine from last year. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um
1: Now, will they get upgrades to that engine, or are they going to be...
0: See, that's what I don't know with this, is, is how that works. Do they get updates, and is this the, just mechanically, that last spec engine? Or is this Ferrari turning around and going that the last engine and software package that our cars ran at the end of the year? you get that, too? Yeah. Or do you get the Sauber package? Ooh. See, that, that's what I don't know. Um, I can't imagine that Ferrari is going to put a whole lot of effort into upgrades on that
1: engine, but I don't know. Yeah, Those those are all the questions I have. When you run a last year engine and you're a customer team, how does that work? Because you've got to be expected to have development throughout the year. Yeah. Are you expected to not develop your engine mm-hmm. over the entire year? Or do they have their own software boffins to try to tweak
0: and and i i think they've got some or at least ferrari will dedicate some folks for technical support of that engine right um just like renault's doing that for red bull and their tag Hoyer engine is <laughs> the the renault folks are the, they've told us that the, the same renault folks who were in the garage last year will be the ones who are in the garage this year for red bull yes so okay Again, compromise. We don't know how that's going to shake out. but um, And I'll jump ahead to, to Red Bull. Who Christian Horner has come out, and he has warned to expect that this is a season of two halves. The he, good half and the bad half? Essentially. He is expecting that because of the performance of last year's Ferrari engine, that it is not unrealistic to expect the Toro Rosso's to be running as well if not better than the red bulls at the first half of the season because they have this better engine now we assume that there have been some upgrades to the Renault tag hoyer whatever we're going to call this engine that red bull has but red bull is christian horner is saying it's going to take them a couple of months probably until about barcelona the end of those flyer way races for them to get a significant upgrade into that engine ah. and see performance what we don't know is is this going to be part of the or, or should i say will the Renault red bull tag hoyer and I think it's some other engine company who's helping Red Bull with development, is that engine truly going to go on a separate engine development track than the works team, or what?
1: Mm. More to come there. There's no speculation that will yeah. be satisfactory there.
0: Before I go into more Red Bull news, the other another team to keep an eye on is McLaren Honda. Mm-hmm. Now, there was an article that popped up on, on Autosport that truly, I, I, I looked at the headline, and I'm like, really? <laughs> th- th- this was your headline? H- his, th- the headline was, analysis. Why the only way is up for McLaren and Honda in Formula One? And without even looking at it, I'm like, seriously, dude? Cause, could they finished in ninth. Could they have gotten any worse?
1: They could have finished behind Manor.
0: That's, that's why I said they finished in ninth. Could they really have gotten any worse? Yes, they could have finished behind. But when you are pretty much all the way at the bottom, where else are you going to go? They're already up from here. They were already starting races three tracks back. (laughs) (laughs) To to give you really the the best piece of this article, and it's the whole reason why I threw it in here, was this one statistic here, which I thought was awesome. Well, McLaren-Honda probably doesn't think so, but I think it's awesome. So according to the article, between them, Fernando Alonso and Jensen Button, who, as we all know, are both world championship-winning drivers in Formula One. They
1: have like three titles between them, right?
0: Yes. Fernando Alonso and Jensen Button recording just four more points than the number of engines the team used in 2015. 27 points to... 23 engines used between them
1: okay 23 engines <laughs> let's, let's just do the math really quickly there were 20 races last year weren't there um or 19
0: no there were there were 19 races
1: okay 19
0: races last year and the rules say you're only allowed to use how many engines Five. Four. Four, Four. Four engines they used well and that's per car So that's the other thing.
1: All right. So there were 19 races. Potential that if you used an engine for every race, you could have used 38 total engines between the two drivers. Mm -hmm. Okay? We're going to divide that by 23 engines. They used 1.65 engines (laughs) per race. Yeah. Or... Yeah, each engine lasted 1.65 races. That's what I meant.
0: Now, we haven't heard, like we heard last year, the outrageous promises of where McLaren Honda could possibly end up this season.
1: Oh, somebody got a hold of the press secretary and said, hey— perhaps don't become and yeah, <laughs> don't t- overpromise and underdeliver
0: t- tell tell ron dennis and uh arisun over at honda and um what's his face the frenchman who came over from lotus i can see him Boulier. eric Bouillet. tell eric Bouillet to keep their mouth shut for a bit
1: even you know Sound even optimistic. team team guy jensen needs to shush well no
0: jensen was good you no. sound optimistic. You don't promise anything. <laughs> optimistic is good. Promising podiums, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: yeah. The hope is
0: because McLaren knew McLaren and Honda knew what was wrong. They knew what they screwed up. It was the MGUH. It it could not provide them the power that they needed on the straights. Right. So, in theory, knowing that that was the issue, we may—they at least knew what to fix. Hopefully. The question is whether or not the fix is effective. Yeah. And whether or not it can be done without blowing up the engine.
1: Well, that's another problem. That's part of their problem, is they've known for a long time what the problem was with the engine, but couldn't seem to get a fix that worked.
0: Well, they— that was not necessary that was a, a function of the rules
1: with the tokens
0: yes because of the tokens and black boxes and white boxes and all that crap they weren't allowed to make the changes so i believe they can ma- they can make those changes this year because they removed some of those restrictions but all of those restrictions go away next year
1: so maybe this is will be their rebuilding year and maybe next year we will see something fantastic from mclaren honda It's possible. I'm hopeful. I mean, I want them to compete. I really do. I make fun of them, but it's (coughs) mostly because I really want them to compete. I'd like them to show up and play the same sport as everybody else. I mean, (laughs) quite frankly, they're becoming their own factory of sadness.
0: Yes. Yes, they are. A very clean and white factory of sadness. Yes. factory of sadness. (laughs) Um, So back to Red Bull. Or did you have something else? Can
1: we talk about the livery for McLaren, McLaren Honda really quickly?
0: Okay. Oh, yes, you wanted to point out something.
1: Okay, so you were looking to see if they had grown any sponsors, and I think you noticed that the word mobile is written a little larger on their car, probably to cover up that they don't have a sponsor for that spot. Well, mobile, I think, has always had
0: that general air. It was either Exxon or Mobile or Exxon Mobil or something. Um, but they lost Johnny Walker, and it's now Shandon. Um, Hey, champagne. Yeah. Champagne. Maybe maybe they'll drink some.
1: Okay, so they've got a very standard black car, a little black and gray going on. It's a a evolution of last year's livery. Yeah. And with some red spots on it, orangey red spots, Mm -hmm. including something that's flame-like up close to the driver. (laughs) Now, either this is an homage to various and sundry engines bursting into flames or they are using our son's theory on making cars faster which is paint flames on them (laughs) because in all of his years of pine wood we always had to have flames on the car because flames make it faster flames make it faster so um i'm starting to believe that maybe he did some advising on their livery
0: and speaking of livery breaking news as we speak we have our first look at the haas f1 car
1: is it red white and blue
0: um it is red black and white hold please (laughs) it looks like a formula one car it is very reminiscent of the Manor scheme i think with more white
1: i kind of think that sort of that graffiti haas logo on the side makes it look like what happens if formula one and nascar got smooshed together well that's
0: kind of what this team is doing
1: yeah exactly so their livery looks like what they are
0: well there you go
1: good job designers
0: (laughs) (laughs) they will be another team to to watch and another thing to to look at um the true question of how will this team perform as the as much as they don't like it the ferrari baby team
1: (laughs) baby ferrari well well, they could have been pink
0: yeah but that that is another thing to watch red bull has launched their livery for 2016 we have not seen their car yet No. One of the reasons we have not seen their car is because they have been really pushing it to the limit with getting things done to the point that the car finally completed its crash testing. It was the last car to complete crash testing and did so just an hour before the launch of the livery, and it was not on the uh, show car, ah, but they completed that crash testing just an hour before they had their press conference, which I believe was Thursday. It was the 17th. Wow. To show off their livery. Now, like many teams, they use their something from the previous season as inspiration to evolve their following season's livery too. So Red Bull taking inspiration from their twenty six or their twenty fifteen season, this year their livery is flat.
1: Oh. Okay.
0: Just like their performance last year.
1: Oh flat. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch!
0: <laughs> yes, it is a it is a matte color with Nary a Renault or Infinity logo to be seen.
1: Well, that Not would shocking. be the case because they have <laughs> severed that tie and yeah. now Tag warrior is written on it. Um, actually,
0: it is. It's really kind of small. Um, it is under the hind legs of the bull. Yes, on the back, but it is. Very small, not anywhere like, and, and granted, I don't think Tag is a title sponsor, and that's probably why. You know, it's not on the tail fin, it's not on the side pods or anything like that. Um, Total is still prominent, though. Yes, it is. <laughs> the other change was the driver's uh, jumpsuits, which featured, um, and a lot of people are kind of digging it. Uh, initially, I heard it was, they, they called it a camouflage, but it's not. It is a subtle uh bull like a gray bull Mm -hmm. across the the suits
1: interesting it's kind of
0: interesting looking they look huge but um yes back to the pajama look that we saw on sebastian vettel last year at Ferrari.
1: hey now for north american fans Mm -hmm. if you are a red bull fan Mm -hmm. you have new access to red bull gear oh you're gonna promote i'm gonna promote wow Yes. Here inside North America, Red Bull has partnered with a new sponsor of Puma. And available on Puma's website are Red Bull shirts and Red Bull shoes.
0: Now, unlike many other sponsors that have recently signed deals with other teams... Puma did not abandon their other teams. Puma still ha- is, has a sponsorship or a partnership with Mercedes and Ferrari. Right. As but, opposed to the other new sponsors over at Red Bull.
1: Right. <laughs> now, Puma is an international corporation, and I'm going to try to explain this really shortly. There is a North America Puma division and an international division. Mm-hmm. The international division that works with the U.K. has the partnership with Mercedes. Okay. That is not a partnership that exists within the North America market. It is only Ferrari and Red Bull for the oh. F1 piece. And they also partner with BMW for some racing piece for BMW. Well,
0: well BMW ha- has had a partnership for years with Puma um, because for many, many, many years, Puma has offered mini-themed driving shoes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but anyway, so in if you go to the North American sites, Canada and U.S., under Puma, you will only find Ferrari, Red Bull, and BMW-themed motorsport gear.
0: But if you go to F1's merchandise store, you can get all of it Correct. through Puma. Correct. Because I'm getting emails about the Puma partnership from the F1
1: store. Now... For our snarkier points of this partnership, I invite all of our fans to go to the Puma site and look at the logos, look at the logos of the announcement for the Red Bull and Puma um, partnership and perhaps describe them for me on our F1, on our Facebook page. Just tell me what you think they're doing. Okay. I'm keeping our clean rating. I'm, I'm going to keep my mouth shut on that, too. Okay. <laughs> you take a look and report back to us what you think. Moving on. See? Si.
0: So we know 2017, the FIA is working diligently to bring about some sort of enclosed cockpit solution, halo solution, that's what they're calling it, is the halo, mm-hmm. to protect drivers' heads. Okay. Um, the driver's or backing this, mm-hmm. although there's some question as to whether or not that's real or not. Um, although the comments that I've seen have been drivers who are outside of Formula One who are saying they don't like it. The drivers inside seem to be OK with it. Okay.
1: Um,
0: Red Bull, th- the current Halo solution is something that Mercedes designed and has, and the FIA has tested. Red Bull says that they have a solution that they want to put forward for consideration as well. The question is is how quickly that can be tested to know whether or not it would meet whatever these impact requirements are. But well, Red Bull has put forth one.
1: Considering you know they were so on top of their crash testing, we may not see that for a while.
0: I don't know. Um, Williams unveiled their car. Yes. Looks pretty much like last year's car. I
1: mean, guess. It's blue and white.
0: No, it's still the, the same mainly white with the, the blue and red and black stripes the same martini honestly really hard pressed to tell the difference between the two cars ah it looks very similar now i did see side by side and look like part was higher and lower and but you know it's hard to tell at this point
1: i do like their stripes though
0: yeah well it's that martini theme
1: yeah sharp stripes the
0: thing to watch with williams you know the last two years they have been in third place very good do they manage to hold on to that third place? Do they move up, or are they going to backslide? Competition may be getting a little bit tougher for them. And can they stay close to Ferrari?
1: Um, I was reading briefly an article from one of their technical people, Pat Simmons, one of the, the high-ups, that they are really focusing on reliability, that that's what they believe, and it is, what has held them back. Um, is their reliability
0: you know I don't think it's even so much the reliability as much as the stupid pit lane mistakes whether it's the the wheel nut which I've heard that they have resolved the wheel nut issue that gave them such a hard time with that or the somehow putting a One mismatched car. set of tires on a car
1: yeah that was
0: you know they need to resolve those things. The other thing that I have seen that they have focused on because they knew it was a weakness in last year's car was performance of the car at the lower speed tracks. Right. At Monaco and wet weather when, when speeds slow down, um, they're saying that they have taken a very good look at that and they think they may have a handle on that.
1: That would be awesome. Hopefully without compromising their top speed tracks.
0: Now, the thing that will caution everybody when it comes to testing it's extremely hard in testing to draw conclusions and to make predictions.
1: Actually, it's actually a bad idea to make predictions off of testing.
0: Well, what they have said you can do. What can you do? Is, especially when it comes to McLaren and possibly the Marooshes, but McLaren in particular, is watch the mood and the attitude of Jensen and Fernando. Mm. because they say that will be telling if they get out of the car and they are acting frustrated if they are not particularly happy and bouncy and supportive it is a sign that the problems are continuing good point however if we see the other direction it is a sign that things have gotten better how much better we don't know but between all of the various extra aerodynamic bits that get put on these cars, um, the specific runs that are done for testing, um, as they call them, the, the glory runs that are done deliberately on low fuel so that they can eke out some extra bits of performance that may be for sponsorship or whatever.
1: Well, that's what I was going to talk about for a second was why is testing unreliable as a prediction of the, of the season? And a lot of it is the games that get played. Yes. Yes, they are testing the car, but they're also testing in a public environment. Mm -hmm. So much like if you were Mm going to have a scrimmage game in some form of sport ball, you're not putting your third stringers out there. Yeah. You know, you're going to make it look like oh. your team is as great as humanly possible. So they may run runs with low fuel so they look faster. They may run with heavy fuel to make them look slower so that other teams underestimate them. I mean, those are things, too. They may be testing very specific parts of the car so that they're looking for something that doesn't globally show up. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: you they're going to be looking at how air moves across it, all these various bits The other thing is this year, as opposed to last year's, it's a very compressed testing schedule. Mm -hmm. You know, normally there's three sessions of like three or four days for them to go work across. And this year they've only got, I think it's two sessions of about eight days total. Normally the way it works is your first testing session, that first week is we throw the bits on the car, we see what's working, we're, we're looking for stuff to blow up, all those various bits. The next week is they're they're learning about the car in more of a race setup and refining and tweaking with the last test session being more of your race sims and your race preps and working on your trackside procedures and all the all of that gets compressed so we Where? don't know what there's going to be what they're saying is those race simulations that's when we're really going to learn about the cars but there's not going to be a lot of opportunity to do those race simulations
1: right and also keep in mind we don't know what each team is testing on their car at any given moment Mm -hmm. so what you see may not be what is a race piece yes um so that's a very important part of sort of understanding how testing works the other thing to to remember is the one thing you can look at testing to tell you a lot about is who can show up because remember last year we had teams that couldn't show up to the first testing because they didn't have cars that were ready mm-hmm. so who can't who's not who's not there is telling and i
0: believe it's sauber's gonna be late
1: so we already know that sauber will be late have we heard about whether or not force india will be attending
0: i believe they will i don't think we've seen anything that says that they won't the only one that i think that we've heard is Gonna be delayed is gonna be the uh, the Sauber.
1: Oh well, that's a that's good news all, all told. The other thing that you can look for that's a pretty reliable um, te- uh, showing and testing is if engines blow up or they can't complete laps, a la McLaren last year. Yeah, that that typically heralds a bad season.
0: Yeah. But this is also the time that they want these things to blow up. They want them to blow so, up.
1: Unfortunately, McLaren's issues continued throughout the rest of the season. But this is a good time for that stuff to happen. But if you hear, you know, like Mercedes one year had an unprecedented number of laps that they did. Yes, they dominated that year, but it wasn't because they were so phenomenal in testing. It, it was... Well,
0: it was last year, and it was... The, they their focus was on reliability. They wanted to deal with those issues as opposed to really ratchet. I mean, they did ratchet up performance, but it was making sure that the thing stopped blowing up on them. Right. And costing races that
1: way. And if I remember correctly, like last year, Ferrari looked fastest in testing, but even still, Mercedes, they were running heavier and longer because they were looking at reliability. And that's a great example of why just because you're fastest in testing doesn't make you a, a favorite for the year – Any more than if you're fastest in free practice. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean that you're going to win the race because free practice, they're still testing stuff. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all I wanted to to share.
0: Well, our last two stories. Yes. Kind of out of the grab bag here. You know, in our last show, I pointedly did not want to talk about the non-comments about Michael Schumacher – that came from Luca de Montezemolo right we had more non-comments this week okay however the only reason why I think they're notable is because they come from the one and only person who does make comments about Michael's health okay um they came from his manager Sabine Clem who that's who the family has designated as the spokesperson and all the updates everybody says Unless it comes from Sabine, it's not real. It doesn't exist. And Sabine has, well, she's made her own non-comments that was basically um, hopes he will be back with us, Mm. which I don't take as necessarily being promising. Yeah. But it is admittedly a non-comment, but it came from Sabine, and I feel that that's worth noting.
1: Okay. Noted a non-comment.
0: So our last story actually doesn't come from formula one okay there there is a tie-in okay you know we mentioned a, a few weeks ago that we are now officially for the first time ever in our lives season ticket holders i know season ticket holders over at mid ohio motorsports park one of the the series that we will get to see is the honda indycar series which will be holding a Uh, a race down at mid ohio in i think it's july july in july also now part of that series is formula formula one driver max chilton who will be racing for chip ganassi racing
1: be still my max chilton heart
0: well, Max, um, because they're also ramping up to the start of their season, uh, Max was in front of the press this past week and, and giving some comments. Um, there is very high hopes because, unlike in Formula One, where truly he was in a team that was not expected to really perform well, and the hope was that just he would out-qualify his teammate as opposed to really much of anything else, Chip Ganassi Racing is a team that, with an IndyCar does have some success they're not a championship winning team but they are a race winning team they have been successful so the the hope is that max being an experienced driver in formula one that he will bring some of these skills to uh you know bring further success to chip ganassi's team Mm -hmm. max has been talking about the differences though between formula one and indycar this isn't so much the fact that, you know, there's these ovals and it's so different. No, this is the atmosphere itself and the adjustments that he's had to make to life off the track. Okay. You know, he says that in F1, drivers leave a very cloistered existence, largely cut off from the fans. However, in IndyCar, the public swarm the pit lane and the garages where drivers constantly interact with the public, taking requests for autograph and pictures. He's also been shocked by the camaraderie in IndyCar, where drivers treat each other like fraternity brothers, as opposed to the catty rivalries found up and down the F1 paddock and even within teams. Oh, wow. According to Max, it is quite eerie how welcoming everyone is. I understand the team being welcoming, but the drivers, I'm not used to that. The drivers get along. In F1, there might be a couple you sort of have as mates, but IndyCar is so welcoming, all the drivers seem to be best mates and don't seem to have have other friends. Their best friends are their rivals on the track. That has sort of taken a while for me to get my head around that.
1: Oh, wow. Cool.
0: So, yes, based on just that right there, we're going to be on the hunt for Max.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't know about you, but we all know I'm going to be on the hunt for Max. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Max.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, we shall see.
1: Good deal. Actually, I'm really looking forward to our se- our first season tickets ever um, and enjoying all sorts of different kinds of racing at Mid-Ohio.
0: Yeah, there's going to be uh, some historic car races or some classic car races. There's a motorcycle race of all things that we're going to where I think we're just going to stand there and go, but he's missing two wheels.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dude,
1: <laughs> where's the rest of your car? <laughs> <laughs> um, we went to a practice of a motorcycle we race. Did. And um, we had a blast.
0: There will be uh, not just the IndyCar race, but of all things, a NASCAR race. I'm not we're, sure. I think what we're actually going to do is where you're going to be looking for Max at the IndyCar race, we are going to go on a Rutledge wood hunt <laughs> for the NASCAR race. Don't I tell
1: him. He will hide.
0: <laughs> no, I think we're going to tell him so we can find out where he's going to be. Um, And then there will even be some SCCA uh, racing. Yes, there will be. So uh, we'll see uh, an interesting mix of of events going on there.
1: All good things with engines and people driving very fast.
0: But uh, I think that is about all we have for this week.
1: Yes, well, we'll be back with you next week to report on all of the intricacies of testing.
0: All the rumors, all the, the various little hypotheses hypotheses that people are coming up with for the season
1: excellent and any catty comments that Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel and Nico Rosberg make at each other we will report it here sometime and we're also going to need to
0: start working on our predictions for the season oh no well you know I'm thinking in line with what we did last year Mm -hmm. not Not, you know, the full prediction of the grid. This is going to be the Lewis or Nico or now Seb. Mm -hmm. This is going to be the who's going to have more points, Renault or Red Bull kind of a thing. Ooh. Uh Uh-huh. Who's going to have more points, Manor or Sauber?
1: Manor or Sauber, Manor Manor or Haas?
0: All of those are ones that... uh,
1: I mean, who's going to rank higher on the grid, Haas or Manor? They all compete for the back row. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. We're going to have to put together that list and our predictions for the season to then lock away in the vault like we did last year.
1: Which is basically a post-it note in your drawer. But No, it was not. <laughs> it was not, to be
0: clear. But uh, on that, you know, you can uh, leave us a comment over on Facebook or over yes. on the uh the website because trisha really wants you to go and look at the north american puma page for red bull yes um remember you can find us in itunes and over on spotify excuse me stitcher stitcher i had to go there (laughs) had to go there
1: it's been over a year yeah over a year and you still make that error
0: right maybe that was intentional Hmm. maybe it wasn't but anyway
1: I'm going to vote for it was not. On
0: that note, we'll call it a show.